0: When I think about the complexity of the human experience, I realize quickly that our own experiences are so unique. So naturally, our movement is a reflection of this. Movement is more than just exercise. It's impacted by our mental, physical, spiritual health, not to mention play, culture, sports, science, the arts, and well, basically everything in between. Welcome to the Matters of Movement podcast. I'm your host, Christina Whalen Chabot. Join me in exploring all the things that impact movement and how we can all strive to move better to feel better as I interview movement experts, researchers, and real people who have made big and inspiring changes in their lives by turning to movement and wellness. Thank you for tuning in to the Matters of Movement podcast. Today, I'm happy to welcome Samantha Montpetit-Quinn. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so impressed you said my name correctly. Well done. I practiced. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. So I first learned of Sam through um, a mutual acquaintance and I've, I've been following her closely for a while now and I have been admiring your work. I'm loving the stuff that you've been sharing, which you know, because I've told you this. <laughs> so I'm going to start off by sharing your bio. But first, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. Samantha is a mother to two beautiful girls and the originating founder of Core Expectations. She is also one of the co-founders of Belly's Inc. She is a speaker, a teacher, course creator, and co-author of Pregnancy Fitness. For almost 20 years, Samantha has been helping women and mothers through all stages of life feel good from pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, and beyond. Samantha is known extensively in her field and has appeared on multiple media outlets from print, podcasts, and television, and she is currently one of the resident fitness experts on The Maryland Dennis Show, a national award-winning lifestyle television show. Since you are a specialist when it comes to women's health, let's talk about the core. From my experience, okay. not a lot of people understand what the, tr- what the core truly encompasses. In mm-hmm. your opinion, in your expert mm-hmm. opinion, what is the true core? Well, I have,
1: first thing is I can say is the true core is definitely
0: more than your abs.
1: And it's definitely more than your abs and your low back, which is what most people will say when I ask them. So you got part of the equation. So um, the core consists primarily of four parts. So you have, and we call it the core four. So first is your diaphragm, which is your breathing muscle. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your transverse abdominus, which is your deepest layer of abdominal muscles. Then you have your multifidus, which are deep spinal muscles. And then you have your pelvic floor. Okay. And the pelvic floor is the foundation of the core because it's at the bottom. Yeah. So if your pelvic floor is not working optimally, guess what? It affects the entire core. So when we say to people, like when people will say, well, I need to do my core work. I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing? I'm doing crunches. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's like, "Mm, that's actually not really working your core. You're working your rectus abdominis, your outermost abdominal muscles, but you're not really focusing on your true core. And because the core, if you think of like the core of an apple, it's central, right? So if our if our center is working optimally and knows to stabilize and move when it should, then the rest, everything else, works um, kind of coherently. But if our core is not working optimally, then we start getting other dysfunctions. And dysfunctions aren't what t- people typically think, mm-hmm. um, um, because for example, like leaking urine, we would call that a core dysfunction. Right. And people yes. would be like, oh, but wait a second, that has nothing to do with my abdominals. But remember your core four. So yeah, so that is your core four, those those four moving parts. And and basically the goal is is to have all this this synergy work within the core four. Everything is working the way it should, almost like um gears. Think of yes. gears, right? So <laughs> if one part if one part of the gear gets stuck, it affects everything else. So we need everything working synergistically together.
0: Yeah. I also like to call it, you know, a, talk about it in terms of like a symphony, you know, you've got yep. this whole orchestra and, yep. you know, they're everybody's playing their part um, yes. to be able to create this final product, you know? exactly. And Perfect. so, yeah. And so why do you think it's important to train the core?
1: Well, because like I said, cause it is the center of, of yeah. us and it, Not working optimally, it really can start to create other dysfunctions, such as, like I said, leaking. You could have pelvic organ prolapse, but you could have back pain, you could have hip pain. Like, because it is the center, it can start really affecting other things that people would think are totally unrelated. So, for example, I remember I had a client years ago when I was still doing in home, and she reached out to me because at this point she was on disability leave from work. So she was. I think a th- she was doing three modalities, um, kind of interchanging them to, to because she was in such bad back pain. Yeah. So she was doing massage therapy, acupuncture, and I can't remember, remember what the third was and she'd been off of work for about three months and then she reached out to me and she said you know what samantha i need you to come maybe i have diastasis recti so diastasis recti is a separation of the outermost abdominal muscles um your rectus abdominis or your six pack and this is a very normal occurrence especially during pregnancy so she had two children so i said yeah i thought to myself yep you probably have a diastasis so i go into her house and and i check but you know what her, 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 she had really good tone across the abdominal wall. Um, her linea elbow was working optimally. And I said, you know what? I really don't think it doesn't make sense that, you know, that your diastasis presents this. I don't think this would be a cause for your back pain. Um, and so I said, can you just do me a favor? Have you seen a pelvic floor physiotherapist? And she said, no, she goes, I have no symptoms. So typically when you say to somebody, have you seen a pelvic floor physio? Well, no, I don't leak. I'm fine. Right. They uh, they think if they don't leak, then everything is good down there, right? Right. So I said, just do me a favor and go, because at least we can say we're checking off all the boxes. Well, wouldn't you know, I want to say about, I don't know, maybe a month or two after, she sends me this email. And it's almost like I could hear her crying through the email oh. saying, thank you so much for sending me. I had a grade two, I have a grade two rectal prolapse oh, that is wow. pulling and causing my back pain. Wow. But she had felt no heaviness or pressure in her pelvic floor. So a lot of people who do have pelvic organ prolapse will feel a heaviness or sometimes other um, symptoms like their, their tampon will keep falling out or they'll feel pressure. Mm-hmm. And she felt none of that. Right. right? So, but her, her prolapse um, showed up as having chronic back pain. And she goes, I now am pain free. And she was going back to work. Right? So, you know, when when you're training the core, you've got to think it's much more than just doing your Kegels or, you know, doing your planks or doing all this stuff. It really can affect not only your way, way of life, but your quality of life.
0: Yeah. And I love talking to people about their quality of life because I feel like so many people walk around through their lives, accepting certain ailments accepting discomfort accepting the status quo because they're too busy to address them what are your thoughts on that oh my goodness you're preaching to the choir (laughs) i know i know
1: there's yeah there's this underlying acceptance especially with women that we just need to go through the motions and you know what's normal i've had kids or even if you haven't had kids it's part of menopause like suck it up like you know no don't suck it up um you know, one thing um, an old mentor of mine said very, she said a long time ago, and I never forget it. She said, men are really good at focusing on one thing at a time. She goes, if they're watching football, that's all they're doing. They're watching football. (laughs) She goes, if it was you, um, you know, or women, she goes, we're watching football. We're also folding laundry while we're watching it. And then we're thinking about what we're going to do during the commercial. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... It's all about us prioritizing and we don't unless something drastic happens and then all of a sudden, oh, this is something that we need to address. And yeah, it really is a shame. I mean, especially now during a pandemic, like if there's ever been like a big, huge light bulb moment to say, guys, guess what? Life is passing you by. You need to really, you know, get down and focus on what's very important because who knows how long we're going to be living like this? And are you going to keep saying, I'm going to wait until the pandemic's over. I'm going to wait till this. I'm going to wait till that. Um, All I've heard for almost 20 years of me doing this is women saying, I don't have time. And now you've literally been gifted all of this time because you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Right. There's no parties to go to. You can't go to the movies. Oh no, no, no. But now it's different because I'm homeschooling. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about figuring it out. So yes, I, but what can I say? I mean, I was, I was sort of that person too when I had my children. I was, yeah. um, but luckily for me though, fitness has always been a part of my life. So yeah. it was a non-negotiable. And when I work with my clients, I talk about their bare minimums and their non-negotiables that they need to hit every day. And, whether, and if that's just going out for a 10 minute walk by themselves, that's it. But at yeah.
0: least they know that it's a time for them right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to circle back to core training. What do you think are the key elements to training the core? Well, it's first, again, is
1: understanding what the core is. Yeah. Um, Focusing on alignment. So because we're talking about that core form, we're talking about, um, the diaphragm, which is your breathing muscle and your transverse and your multifidus and your pelvic floor. When we teach our courses and we're training other fitness and health professionals, if you're not aligned, then you're not, your core is not, um, functioning properly. Right. And we can, we can see this just by people who are chest breathers, you know, like they walk around in very militant. Um, military you know, the chest out and their shoulders are back. And where they're doing that, their diaphragm can't expand and move down and fill up with air. So they become a chest breather, right? Mm -hmm. Or women who, you know, after they've had their babies and they're always walking around gripped, right? Right. So whether because they want to hide their tummy, so they walk around sucking in their belly all the time, or maybe they're leaking. So they're constantly walking around in a Kegel you and I both know if our muscles are on all of the time, yeah, they can't work. Yeah, They can't work. Our muscles become now hypertonic, That's too right. tight, too yeah. much tone. So they can't actually move and do what they're supposed to do. So looking at alignment, looking at breathing, getting breathing down, letting that breath connect with their pelvic floor, yeah. right? So these are the, these are like the little things that, you know, we were just saying, you know, um, or no, I wasn't, we weren't just saying it, I was thinking it, is that when I ask a woman to slow down and breathe, oh, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time. Can you give me the tent? Can you give me the calls notes? Can you give me, like, what can I do? No, 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 Right? We need to get out of this idea that everything has to be quick and fast and do all the things. That's, that's a big reason why you're in the situation that you're in. Yes. Because you don't give yourself the time, right? Yeah. yeah. To breathe.
0: Well, so and- if it makes you feel any better, I was thinking the exact same thing. So, you know, when you bring breathing up to people, it's just like, they roll their eyes. It's just like, uh, like this this is doing nothing for me. You know, (laughs) how do you go in and convince people that breathing is necessary?
1: You know what? Because I found when I would go into women's homes and I would just teach them how to properly stand with proper alignment and breathe, they would be like, Oh, this feels very uncomfortable. Oh, this hurts. Oh. And it's like, you know why? <laughs> because muscles are actually working that have never haven't been working for so long because people are walking and they're, they're, they're gripping their butt they're slouching. Right. Yeah. And, and their body's just kind of hanging out. And when you put them in proper alignment, muscles are waking up. It's work. But you know, a lot of it too, is we're such a society who are um, we crave instant gratification yeah. right? So if they don't see immediate results with breathing, it's like, well, yeah, just like you said, well, this is not helping me. Yeah. So it really comes down to how badly do they want it? How badly do you want to fix this issue? Because this is what it's required, we're gonna to have to pull you right back. And we have to give you the foundation, I just say to people, you can't build what's not there.
0: That's right. You
1: can't. Yeah, right. So if if the foundation of a house was sideways, are you going to build on top of it? No, your house is going to fall over. Well, it's the same thing with your core. If yeah. I don't build this. So I I I would say to people, you know, throw me a bone, give me two weeks. Mm-hmm. Just do this dinky breathing that I'm telling you. Just be <laughs> more aware of your alignment. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, and you know what? I also noticed, Sam, my, you know, my ribs don't hurt as much as so my back doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, or I, what I love is I sneezed and I didn't pee.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The things that they take for granted. Oh, I didn't have to wear a pad when I left my house today. Yeah. Hallelujah.
0: All based right? on breathing.
1: All based on breathing. All yeah. you're doing is breathing. Yeah. Right? Isn't
0: that amazing? Funny thing, that breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the good thing is it's it's not a set of weights you have to carry around or store anywhere. You know, that breath is there with you all the time, accessible yeah. whenever you want it. So, yes. you know, Yes. it's... Uh, yeah. You know it's it's amazing so I, I want I, I I was listening to your Facebook lives and um, one of the things that you brought up was you know quality of life today but also quality of life in the long term like what are the consequences of not dealing with leaking and core dysfunction mm. in the long term
1: like you don't even want to go there
0: yeah right <laughs> so yeah.
1: I tell people I have, I had, um, earlier on when, uh, with Belly Zink, when we started teaching these courses, we had a woman who came in and she was a, um, she was a former competitive, um, figure competitor and she had a grade, I'm going to say two and a half, almost three prolapse. Mm -hmm. So pelvic organ prolapse is when either your vagina, your rectum, or your uterus fall in and outside of your vagina or your anus. And people might hear this and go, oh my God, that sounds horrible. Can I tell you though, that the the statistics, I can't even say that word, tell us that 50% of women, once they hit 50, have some degree of pelvic pelvic organ prolapse. And they're not, and a lot of women are not even aware of it. Just like my client who had a grade two rectal prolapse and it was causing her back pain. So this woman, we, we, yeah, well, yeah, the stats yeah. are high, right? And we don't want to be a statistic. Yeah. So this woman, she, she came up to us after and she was crying because she was 30. God, I don't even think she was 35. She was early 30s. And she had an almost grade three um, bladder prolapse. So basically what happens is her bladder was almost so if you open your legs, you could almost see her bladder right there. Okay. Right. So almost look like the head of a baby. Right. Wow. And she was so devastated. And she thought, oh my God. And she said, I'm never having another. She only had one child. She goes, that's it for me. I'm not going to. So she took our course and, um, and, uh, and then she ended up seeing a pelvic floor physio. And can I tell you that her, um, her prolapse has been reversed and um, she has a second child.
0: Amazing.
1: Happy ending.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So
1: the thing is, is with any, Any sort of pelvic floor dysfunction, it's not life-threatening, but it certainly is life-altering. Imagine being in your mid-30s and you feel like something is falling out of your body. Right. Because you ignored the small, the little signs like leaking, right? And you have companies like Depends and Always showing all these young women in their 40s on commercials being super athletic. And then, oh, guess what? They're wearing a diaper. Yeah. Yeah. They're normalizing it. And although we should be normalizing the conversation about this, we should not uh, be normalizing it, that it is okay. Right. It's not okay. Right. It's not okay to leak pee anytime. Right. right. Like right. you're going be coming out of your body when you're sitting on a toilet or if you want to squat in a bush somewhere, right. Not <laughs> right. because you coughed or sneeze or you can't run after your children. That is not normal, right. but it's very much normalized in society. And so when we we ignore these small signs, what do you think is going to happen when you have another child, or you decide to go sign up for a high impact exercise class, mm-hmm. or you decide, you know, like you want to all of a sudden you want to do CrossFit and yeah. then you can't, right? Or God forbid you hit menopause. Yeah, you know things don't get better. <laughs> No, they don't.
0: Right.
1: Muscles start to atrophy, hormones really start to take a nosedive and really affect us. It's so important. Mm -hmm. And what people don't know, I mean, I mean, you know that once you hit 40, we start losing muscle, right? Um, maybe half a percent, one percent per year over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Once you hit menopause, you lose muscle faster than you can create it, people. Right, right. So, this is why it's so important that when you're doing your exercises, you're doing your strength training. Also do your pelvic floor training. Your pelvic floor is a muscle, just like the other muscles in your body. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, This has got to be just part of your your program. Exactly. And I have a client right now who she started with me. She said, I just happened to show up on her Instagram feed. Um, She had an appointment to get a bladder lift. And she, I don't even think she's 40 yet. I'm not quite sure. But her leaking was that bad. And, um, she's been with me for eight months. She just finished having her tonsils out. Um, poor thing. Uh, She's really bad, but her, her, uh, nurse, um, was complimenting her on how strong her pelvic floor was because she could hold her bladder for so long. Oh, wow. Yep. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Right. So surgery for her now is off the table Mm -hmm. and guess what, for all you listeners,
0: all she did was focus on her breathing. Amazing. It was breathing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things you brought up um, during that live, or it might've been another one, but it was about this terrible statistic about the number of people, or at least a higher rate of people end up in nursing homes because of incontinence. Yes. It's the second
1: leading cause why people are get put in nursing homes is because incontinence because people don't want to have to change their partner or their parents' diapers. Right. Yep. Yep. And you know what really breaks my heart? So my grandmother passed away in um, the spring of 2019. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and my mom talk about it all the time. We, in a way, we kind of say, thank God, because COVID would have killed her. Just yeah. like the, from the depression part, right? right. Because yeah. she's a very social person. But she was wearing diapers her last couple years. And she said, how... She goes, it's the most embarrassing, horrible thing she would yeah. tell me, right? And, and when I would go visit her in the nursing home, the nurse would come and she goes, you have to leave. She goes, this is so, the amount of embarrassment I can't even tell you, oh. right? Yeah. And, 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 or, and, and even in the nursing home, she goes, but I'm doing my key So i was like, okay, keep doing them. <laughs> it's not, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, completely incontinent. And just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Nobody yeah. wants to be there. And I think the big problem is, though, is that people don't, you know, like, I'm going to be 50. I'm thinking, oh, you know, a lot of people my age, oh, yeah, but that's so far away. That's not going to happen to me. Yeah. I'll get to it later. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so whenever people say that to me, I said, how has that worked for you in the past? I'll get to it later. How yeah. has that ever worked? Well, no. never,
0: never do it now. Yeah, do it now, right? Do it now, and the great, the the, I think one of the good things about COVID is that it's bringing, you know, people don't have to leave leave their homes anymore. You can get the advice that you need on your computer. You know, get individualized advice, and you can do it. So this is there's no excuse. (laughs)
1: absolutely no. I absolutely no excuses. And I know that that bothers a lot of people. It's like they, they hate that, you know, hashtag no excuses, but sorry. The only reason people get upset is because they're triggered by it because they know that we're right. Yeah. Right. We need to stop living behind our excuses. If you can find time to, you know, all this time you didn't think you had, and all of a sudden now you are homeschooling your kids and you are doing this and you're doing all these other things that you never even thought possible. Just imagine if you were to give yourself Five percent of that time right
0: that what you could accomplish so no excuses hashtag no excuses (laughs) so hashtag
1: pelvic floor hashtag stop peeing hashtag (laughs)
0: it's not normal hashtag do something about it hashtag 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 hashtag. yeah exactly (laughs) when you were talking earlier you brought up um you brought up something that interested me which was the barriers to getting help for leaking you know, mm-hmm. one of the things I feel like is that either people don't talk about it enough. Anyways, go ahead. You have something to say. Go ahead. Oh.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so very, and see, and I don't even think that the people understand how much of a barrier it is. Because, again, if you've got commercials normalizing it, yeah. then they're like, well, why would I seek help when everybody is saying that light bladder leakage which is not an acronym, guys. That's what the media has created. It's like it's not a thing. Um, it's actually called incontinence. That's right. So any time any drop of urine comes out of your body, whether it's a drop or a whole bucket, it is incontinence. That is the name. But nobody in their 30s wants to say I'm incontinent because only old people do that. That's right. I have light bladder leakage. I'm not incontinent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does put this barrier up, and so you know, there's another stat that shows that a lot of women the reason why they don't get this addressed and they don't talk to their doctors about it is because they're afraid of embarrassing their doctor. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Doctors talk about everything. Yeah, right? they do. And but again because we're not and, and because doctors aren't asking, they're not saying how's your bladder working? Right. Are you leaking? Right. right? And I think there's still even though there's a um we definitely have come far in the last maybe three to five years when it comes to pelvic health, talking about it more. I mean, it's very big. Um, you go on Instagram, put up pelvic health, you'll see all kinds of stuff. But there still um, definitely is a barrier between um, medical um, uh, like doctors and pelvic health physiotherapists. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, well, my doctor says it doesn't work and it's not necessary. So they want to do surgery because yeah. that works. Yeah. Here's the thing, another thing for your listeners. 50% of bladder lifts failed within the first five years. 50%. What? That's right. This is good information to know. That, yeah. Yeah. They don't tell you that. Yeah. Right. And I'm not even talking about mesh and all that other stuff that's been causing such a hoopla. I'm just talking about the surgery itself. And a big reason is because there's no education. There's no post-op. Right. There's no rehab. And right. there's certainly no prehab. It's like, okay. And so surgery Again, guys, it's a band-aid. It doesn't get yeah. to the root cause of why you were leaking in the first place. There's right. so many factors, right? Right? So many factors. A lot of people think, well, I'm leaking because my muscles are too loose. Could be, but guess what? Another thing that you know your listeners might not know: we actually hold tension, uh, hold tension and stress in our pelvic floors. Yes. So if you're somebody who's varied like this, and I could be quite like this, too. you're actually going to hold tension in your pelvic floor. So yeah. your muscles actually, the reason why you're leaking is not because your muscles are too loose, it's because they're too tight. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And because our pelvic floor muscles, again, are like every other muscle in our body, our muscles, we need to have full range of motion. So in other words, in order for you to do a bicep curl, proper bicep curl, you have to be able to fully extend your arm, right? We need full length before we can get full contraction. It is the same thing with our pelvic floor. If our pelvic floor can't fully release and and expand and open, how can it properly um, respond to coughing, sneezing, jumping, running and contract properly? Exactly. Right? Because if the muscles are already contracted, they're they're tight, then those muscles spasm and then you leak. Right. But how do you know? Well, then you see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. There's a reason why they're there. They check for tone, they check for all kinds of things. And so we have the stats about, you know, the surgeries, 50% fail within the first five years, which just means you start guys, if you don't do any rehab, see a pelvic floor physio, you're going to be going back for surgery within the five years, right? Pelvic floor physio, 80% success rate. (laughs) So what would you rather do you want surgery (laughs) and only 50%? Yeah. Do you want non-invasive and 80%? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, and I can see why people would choose the surgery because it seems like the easier way to go. They don't have to put the work in. It's a quick fix. We already talked about that. Yeah. We
1: very much live in a quick fix society. Yeah. But it's it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've worked with women and their mothers have said, believe me, do this. You do not want surgery. Cause ever since I've had surgery, I've always had problems. Yeah. I've never healed properly. I've always been in pain. Mm-hmm. And then when I ask them, have you ever seen a pelvic floor physio? No. Cause we also have to remember that anytime you cut anything, you yeah. create scar tissue. That's right. Right. Scar tissue doesn't move. Blood doesn't f- flow through that. So if you've right. got scar tissue now in your pelvic floor, how do you expect those muscles to respond properly when they're supposed to? Exactly.
0: And so, I mean, back to what you were talking about with the tight pelvic floor, the last thing you need is a Kegel to continue tightening it up. I have gone through a whole process myself of, Mm -hmm. um, of trying to solve leaking. And I remember my doctor was completely unreceptive. I need to get a new doctor. And, 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 uh, and then we discovered I was tight. And so my homework was not Kegels. I had to loosen that. I had to loosen up, you know, and I had a tool and I had to get in here and I had to, you know, and and so my prescription, you know, people walking around going like, okay, we'll do your Kegels. That might not be the right thing for you.
1: Thank you. Exactly. And the thing is, is like, even if you are tight, yes, you have to, you do want to be able to have the ability to do a Kegel. Mm-hmm. but you have to do the release work first. You have to like let those muscles relax first and then perform a Kegel. But you can't just be walking around Kegel, 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 Kegel. Yeah. But that's basically like, that's what doctors do. Like if that, they might give you a pamphlet, say, do your Kegels. Here's another stat. Over 60% of people don't even Kegel properly because right. they haven't been told. No one's taught them. They just say Kegel, squeeze the muscles that hold your urine. That's not helpful right. at all.
0: Right. 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 So the correct way would be to completely release. So how does one know, how do you know if you're completely letting it go? Not completely, you'll never be able to completely let it go. But I mean, how how do you, how do you gauge if you're, if you have so little kind of like awareness in that area?
1: Yeah, you know what, honestly, it's just really connecting with your breath. Um, yeah. There's something there's a foundational exercise that I we, we do have, it's called the, the core breath. Mm-hmm. And I have people do it either lying down on their back or mm-hmm. sitting on a nice firm ball so they can get the feedback from their pelvic floor. Right. Can they feel the pelvic floor is lifting away from the ball? And then, yeah. you know, I, I use a lot of cueing, right, like yeah. melt over the ball, different yeah. things. But quite honestly, guys, the only way you're going to know is if you have a pelvic floor See right. a pelvic floor physiotherapist.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: right. To yeah. be like a hundred percent sure, um, and and yes, that does involve an internal examination. Yeah. It absolutely does. Yeah. But you know, for those people, and and that doesn't jive with everybody, which I understand, because especially if you're, you're talking about women who might have had traumatic births or something or if there's been any sort of, you know, any sexual trauma, then they don't want to have an internal. There's still a lot of external things that a pelvic floor physio can do, but really at the end of the day, if they can get their fingers on the muscles Mm -hmm. themselves, it's like a dentist, right? Like going to a dentist with your mouth closed, is not going to help nearly as much (laughs) as you open your mouth and they can actually touch your teeth. Yeah. So, um, um, Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that really is ideal. But, you know, when I work with women, I will ask them different things. I'll ask them different questions. Like, you know, when you put a tampon in, does it slip out? Do you feel any heaviness or pressure? What are your bowel movements like? Do you feel like you have to, you know, you have to push to empty? Same with when you're urinating, right? Um, Because if you have a bladder prolapse and it's falling into the vagina, it can feel, it can be difficult for it to, to empty properly. Right. You know, how do you sit? How do you stand? uh is your painful intercourse so painful right. intercourse is usually an indicator of having a tight pelvic floor right yeah or having difficulty putting in a tampon right. um so there's there's you know there's different things that you know i have these conversations and i ask and then i just i give them different releases um uh, i'll give them certain positions yeah uh, what a really great position for um Um, whether it's prolapse, so feeling heaviness or a tight pelvic floor is going into a wide legs child's pose. Okay. So you're taking gravity out of the picture. So, which is great for a prolapse, but you're also um, creating um, stretch over the perineum. So if you have a tight pelvic floor, being in that position really helps to stretch things out and take gravity off. So it's kind of a twofer. It works Mm -hmm. well for both. And it's having them breathe and sit. In that position, right. and then visualizing like there's different visualize um, cues that I will give people to do yeah. to help uh,
0: release the pelvic floor. Yeah, so good. I love all of your expertise. I'm in the process of, of learning all of this. I also have a diastasis recti, so okay. I you know okay. I've got all kinds of which is what has led me to want to specialize in this area. I'm just Sweet. at the beginning. I'm just at the beginning of my course. Oh, so good. That's um, awesome. So I just need to pay it forward because I had so much wonderful care in my, you know, you know, postpartum that it's time for me to pay it forward. Oh, that's nice. Um, so that's good.
1: I'm glad that you have, you have a good, um, you had a good experience and you had help and support because unfortunately so many women don't.
0: Well, and I think that that is the benefit of being in the business that I'm in, you know, with, mm-hmm. in, in Pilates and, and just this whole thing is because I feel like, you know, there's there's just people out there that are going to know things that are going to be Mm -hmm. sharing information. And so I feel bad for people who are not in these circles and who never really get to connect into it, which is why it's wonderful that it's, you know, you're seeing more and more of it on Instagram and yes, you know, on Facebook and that kind of thing. I think it's, it's Mm -hmm. great. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to look at the diastasis recti a little bit closer. You know, you talked about the separation of the muscles and how how does that impact your core training? What what things do you have to take into consideration? Well, you want to take in consideration again,
1: alignment for yeah. sure. Yeah. The way you stand, um, mm-hmm. trying to avoid movements where you see abdominal coning. Yeah right? Because, so basically diastasis recti, like I said, is a separation of the abdominal wall, but it's the connective tissue that keeps the rectus muscles together. So before pregnancy, um, nobody's recti muscles are completely together, right? Right. They're connected, they're kept together by this connective tissue called the linea alba. And so- as the pregnancy progresses and at, with the influence of hormones, this connective tissue starts to become very malleable yeah. because it has to, the body has to adapt, obviously, to carry the baby. So then this connective tissue starts to stretch sideways, the muscles separate to make room for baby, right? Now, when the baby comes out, the muscles don't snap back like an elastic band. That would be nice, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and this connective tissue now kind of is like a little bit of uh, almost like a piece of gum. Yeah. Right? So what we're trying to do when we are training um, is we want to get function back. It used to be back in the day when I first started specializing in core and pelvic health, but it was diastasis first, even before the pelvic health was about closing the gap. We have to close the gap, close the gap. That is all out the window now. Yeah. Gone gone. Um, it's all about having functional, you can have a functional diastasis, it's about creating tone in that connective tissue, right? So you can have like, say, because most people, um, and especially you'll see this on Instagram, um, they'll measure their diastasis by their fingers, how many fingers can they get horizontally between the recti muscles, and you can have a fairly large separation, you can have like a five finger separation, but if you can bounce a quarter off that connective tissue, we don't care. Exactly. Because you can you can still do all kinds of things. But if you have a two finger separation, but I can literally, you know, pulse and touch your organs. That's what I'm concerned about. right? Right. So it's not about how wide the separation is, it is about getting function back. So if you have a dysfunctional diastasis, you will see a lot of doming. You'll, you'll see like if you do something like in Pilates, right? Like you do boat pose or different things, you'll see this doming. So what you're doing is you're creating too much interabdominal pressure because the pressure has to go somewhere, right. right? Now, it's all just about managing the pressures because as we walk around and we breathe and we do stuff, there's always abdominal pressure. So that's why alignment, the way you stand and you actually stack everything, and I'm not going to say posture because posture and alignment be two different things yeah right you can be aligned properly but still have really lousy posture right right um (laughs) because if you have really tight pecs like your chest and your shoulders are rolled forward you might have horrible posture but everything is aligned properly your diaphragm is stacked right over where it should and every you can breathe and you can connect with your pelvic floor um but if you've got really weak connective tissue you can also have chronic back pain a lot of clients that I would that I would see back in the day. Um, my back is killing me because that connective tissue, like, because we have to remember that core four works synergistically together. But also, if your abdominals are not working, your back is going to take the brunt of it. Right, and vice versa. And also the transverse abdominis. So that deepest part of your, um, of your abdominal wall, which is part of your core four, your transverse and your pelvic floor are also best friends. They all co-contract. Right. So all of these really, it, it's so important that we work central. And right. again, it goes back to that core breathing. It's getting that core four working. That yeah. would be, that is my, my first go-to when it's diastasis, pelvic floor, back pain, hip pain, it all goes back to right. making sure the core four is aligned properly, you're breathing, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden magic starts to happen. Right. But there's no like, other than the core breath, there's no like one perfect way. We just kind of have to find what works for each individual. Um, but thankfully, over the last few years, I think a lot of the fear has gone away about diastasis. People yeah. are like, oh my god, my abdominals are separated. And, and the research shows that you know, a hundred percent, one hundred percent people. For everybody who's listening, of pregnant women are going to get some degree of abdominal separation. Yeah. It's our bodies. Our bodies have to adapt. We're not growing our bodies in our our, our babies in our legs. Yeah. We're growing them in our uterus. Right. 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 So our body has to adapt and make space. Yeah. So it's going to be the abdominals. Yeah. But it's also about you know just making sure. We do the right things during our pregnancy as well to prepare our bi- our bodies That's for right. pregnancy and birth, and also doing the right exercises for you to recover right. um, postpartum. Because guys, when you get your six-week checkup with your OB, that is not a green light to sign up for mom and baby boot camp. Yep. Please do not do that. Please do not. No, 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 no. Six weeks is when you are going to start to retrain before you train. That's right. Yeah. There's always a retraining aspect. Even if you were lifting heavy up until day, you know, the day before you give birth and you were at CrossFit, I don't care. We still, you, you might get back to it faster, but yeah. you still have to go through the, the, the retraining phase, right? We need to yeah. connect again. We need to do that because pregnancy and birth is a big deal. Yes, it is. Right. It's normal, but it's a big deal. And we yeah. really need to uh, respect our bodies. To, to go back safely cuz the last thing you want to do is do something after and then then you get injured and then you're forced to stop now you have no choice
0: yeah right and and stopping you know for a lot of people could be difficult right you've got family you've got kids you have work you you know it's not just your exercise regime that is affected it could yeah. be every every aspect of your life could be impacted
1: exactly you know, especially runners. I used to always joke and say runners were my worst nightmare for clients telling a a, a woman she couldn't run. You might as well cut her arm off, yeah. which I totally appreciate. Cause I used yep. to kind of run a little bit, but honestly, I would say, if you just give me this little time to do these exercises. Yeah. So when you do go back to run, you
0: get to decide if you want to stop, yeah. not something else forced you to stop. Exactly. I had this exact same conversation with my girlfriend yesterday who just gave birth eight weeks ago and she's like "Um, I want to go for a run and I'm like listen I have some stuff for you that you are going to do before you start that (laughs) so she agreed she agreed that she would hold off on the running so thank goodness yeah. And, and honestly, I would recommend she see a pelvic floor physio first. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, Have to. being who we are, being in the fitness industry, and teaching, there's, we need to stay in our lane, right? Yes. We, we know what we know, but we are mm-hmm. not specialists, and we are not mm-hmm. physios or chiropractors or doctors. So it's important exactly. for us to be working in conjunction with these specialists. Yes. And then so we can give the best possible outcome. Yes, 100%. 100% agree. Yeah. Amen. I am running a campaign called the move better, feel better campaign. And basically the profits from the sale of my move better, feel better tank tops are going to women's mental health. And in particular to the women's college hospital foundation and to black women in motion. So my question to you is what do you feel move better, feel better means to you?
1: I think the two of them go together because we know so much that so many people live in their heads. It's almost like their body takes over and they don't even realize. So when our body takes over and does things against our better judgment, like maybe it doesn't move, it sits on the couch or it eats you know, way too much food that we shouldn't be eating and we feel like crap after or it stays up late burning the midnight oil at a computer. Um, we have to understand that when we do the opposite of that, when we actually tune into our bodies, and we do move better, the the domino effect of that is we do just feel better. And I'm, I'm glad that you asked this question, because I was just talking to a client today, how um, and she struggles a lot with mental, uh, with mental health. And she said how, you know, she shifted her focus on always trying to be happy to just focusing on feeling better in the moment. So, you know, we know that when we move our bodies, we feel better. Nobody ever has come back from a half hour walk and said, Oh, that sucked. I didn't like that. But it's the getting up and it's the getting into the action. So um, there's a great I'm sure you know her, her name Mel Robbins. She's fantastic. And she wrote a book and she's got um, uh, a video from TEDx, a TEDx talk that went viral on the five second rule and I really believe it because when we can just count down from five and go five four three two one and go into action and get out of our head and get into our bodies in the end we feel so much better as a result right but when you're in it before that action it's really hard um, especially with the date the state of the world right now there's so much uncertainty and people are really struggling with mental health that even though we know at a logical level oh I should exercise I should do all these things it's really hard to get going because you're in such a state so if we could just five four three two one go into action and push ourselves outside of our discomfort we know at the end, we're going to feel fantastic. So I think the move better, feel better is just to me is that's, that is just reality. That is just the way our, our bodies respond mentally to physical movement, as long as it's, you know, we're not killing ourselves, we're actually doing it with purpose. But even walking outside and getting fresh air, and looking at the changing leaves in this beautiful season of fall can make such a a ma- a massive impact on our mental health that we wouldn't be able to experience if we just stay inside and wallow in whatever that we're dealing with so um But again, it's it's not thinking and just doing the thinking, our brains will undo anything within five seconds. So that's why Mel Robbins created this five second rule, we need to get out of our head and into action. At the end, we will feel better.
0: Well, on that note, I I would just want to say how much I love this conversation. It was so, so good. And thank you so much for joining me today. If people would like to know more about you, where can they find you? They can find me anywhere on Instagram or Facebook
1: at uh, Stamcor Trainer, mm-hmm. um, and my website is StamcorTrainer.com. You're making it easy for everybody. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening in to Matters of Movement, the podcast. I hope that you learned something new today. I am your host, Christina whalen Chabot, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Matters of Movement. And if you want to buy a tank top or just check out my website, you can do that at mattersofmovement.ca. In order for our podcast to reach a bigger audience, you can show your support and love by subscribing to reviewing and rating this podcast. See you next time, where we will continue to explore all matters related to movement together.